Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. We are breaking out of the lies of the devil. That's what this series is all about. The lie I want to talk to you about today that I believe is one of his most strategic lies for this generation is simply this, that Jesus Christ will not return. It is a lie that Satan has always tried to propagate because it affects the way we look at everything around us. You see, Satan only lies about important things. Think of that. Satan only lies about important things. See, Satan is not God. He's a fallen angel. How many understand that? He's not on the level of God. There are three qualities that God alone possesses. Three qualities that Satan does not possess. What are those three things? God is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere present at all times. Satan cannot do that. So he has to be more strategic and only lie about important things. Only attack you at your weak moments. Only go where he thinks he can be most effective. He's not, he's not omnipresent. Only God is. He is not omnipotent. He does not have all power. He has power, but only God has all power. Amen? And he is also not omniscient. Omniscience is the all-knowingness. God knows all things at all times. Satan does not. He is a created being. He was an archangel. He was prominent in the worship of God in heaven. But his ego grabbed him, and he wanted the throne of God, and he was cast out of heaven. How big was the battle? Well, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He opposed God, and the battle didn't last very long. How many are thankful that Satan was defeated? That God is almighty. But we have to understand that from his fall, Satan has targeted men and women to send him to the eternity that he'll spend time in. Lies are strategy. If he can promote the lie that Jesus will not come again, it begins to affect us. Jesus told some parables about uh, about this. He said, it's like a manager put in charge of his master's household. And after the master was gone for a while, the manager became slack and lazy. He began to mistreat those under his control. He began to abuse the confidence and the authority the master put in him. He tells us about uh, ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. They were to be prepared for the groom to come and carry his bride away. And they all went to sleep. But five of them had extra oil for their lanterns and five did not. When the bridegroom came and called for them, five trimmed their lamps and added the oil and things were good. Five others were not ready. And so there's this this sense about us in our carnal nature that we become lax. We become forgetful. We begin to put things off and live just for the moment. Now, I know none of us ever just live for today. Come on, how many are hearing me right now? I know none of us ever make short-term decisions that we wish we'd have made thinking the long run. How many have ever done that? I have. Have you ever done that? Have you ever made a short-term decision and said, I could have thought of that a little better? Let me see how many truth-tellers in the house today. Let's see how many telling a lie in the house today. Okay. So we know what that's like. And Satan uses this lie that Jesus isn't coming again to promote that kind of behavior. You see... Uh, as I said, he only lies about important things. And so if you have, have dealt with this thing where he says, you know, you're just not enough. You're not enough. No one loves you. No one cares about you. 
Your life's not valid. Well, the truth is the opposite of that. People do love you. People do care about you. And your life's important. That thing that says it's never going to be the same again. That person left you. They broke a vow. They broke a promise. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to have joy. You're always going to be lonely. You're going to live with rejection and depression. Well, the good news is God does care about you. You are going to laugh again. You are going to rejoice again. You are going to have a life that's blessed and good again. Satan only lies about important things. I'm thankful I know the truth today. How many are thankful that you know the truth? Let's look in 2 Peter chapter 3 and begin reading in verse number 1. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, this, this is where we see the lie. Jesus isn't coming back. This is where the lie has begins to be propagated. Evidently, it's been around for 2,000 years. And there's a fresh use of it today because of where we are. We need to understand. I want to tell you today, we are, people say, Pastor, are we in the end times? We are in the end time. Yes, we are in the end time. And it's important we understand this truth and are not deceived by Satan. So 2 Peter 3, verse 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking, okay? I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Here it is. You ready? First of all, okay, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. So this is no surprise. See, Jesus told us this, so we'd be ready. Scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desire. That's where the lie comes from, right? They will say, where is this coming he promised? They'll say, ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So there's the lie. It's been propagated for 2,000 years. And in the last days that we're living in, we're told that it will come to a whole new level. It will be spoken more uh, flagrantly, more loudly, more openly. He's not coming back. That's the lie that we'll be having. Verse 5, they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. They forget that by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. In other words, they forgot God created the world and God destroyed the world. At that moment, humanity because of their sin. It's kind of like, you know, your, that old school dad said, boy, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. And I can make another one that looks just like you. Now, God's better than that mean father, but you understand what I'm saying. He's saying, good, God's in control of this thing. He formed it. He flooded it. He can form it again. Okay? Verse 7. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. He said, God's in control. Now, watch this. Verse 8. In this thing, this lie that Jesus is not coming back, he says, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. He looks at things from eternity. We look at things from a very limited, linear understanding of how time operates. He says we have a different perspective. He says you can't forget that. Look at verse 9. However, look at this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Did you read that? God hasn't forgotten the promise that he's coming again. God's not slow. He's not been preoccupied. He's right on time. 
Why has it not happened yet? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Why has he not come? Do you know why? He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. How many of you have been saved in the last 50 years? Let me see your hand. If it had come 50 years ago, most of us would be in hell today. Do you understand that? Because if you believe in heaven, you have to believe in hell. Some people haven't heard in hell so long in church, they think I'm cussing up here right now. <laughs> you know, the, the church has quit teaching about hell. It's just heaven. There is another place. How many understand that? And why would Satan tell us a lie about the return of Christ? Because he wants us to be unprepared for the return of Christ. The promise is he's coming again. The word of God says it's, we're in those end times. And the reason he hasn't come yet is his great mercy for people to be born again and come to heaven. It's the plan of God to take as many people to heaven as he can. He never intended that men and women not go to heaven. Do you know the Bible says that hell has enlarged itself for the numbers that are coming in? The Bible also says hell was created for the devil and his angels. God intends you to go to heaven. God plans for you to go to heaven. God's intent is for you and everyone you know to go to heaven. But we go to heaven through making Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. He is the only way to the Father. How many understand that? So we need to see this truth. Jesus is returning. We need to not be deceived by the liars and the scoffers lying about the mercy of God. Now, we look at this. He says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Now, the Orthodox Jewish rabbis teach us, they believe Scripture says, that there will be 7,000 years of human history. 7,000 years. If you go back to the time of Adam uh, and you mark that time till today, we are approximately at 6,000 years of recorded human history from Adam to today. There were 2,000 years approximately from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years from Abraham to Christ, and approximately 2,000 years from Christ to now. That's 6,000 years. You say, well, we've gotten another 1,000 years. Well, there's going to be the 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. And so if the Orthodox Jewish rabbis are correct about the God's calendar in Scripture, we're not only in the end times, we're in the last hours of the last day of the end time. On the other hand, that could, could just be something that says to us, a day is, is a thousand years of simply saying, you don't understand how God keeps time. It's, it's a reminder that says we look at things one way and God sees the plan from the end to the beginning. That's who he is. And so we understand there's an important time to be paying attention, to be learning, listening, and understanding what, what God is doing. God does have a calendar. How many heard what I just said? God does have a calendar. He's not random. Things don't just happen. It's not based on what we do. It's based on his plan. God has a calendar. Do you know when you study the Bible, over 30% of Scripture is prophecy. The majority of that 30% of scripture, of prophetic scripture, deals with the end times that we're living in right now. Almost 30% of scripture is dealing with the times you and I are living in. So why would God give so much information about this time? Because listen to me, he wants to give you a context to understand what's going on at this time. 
It's important that you know what his word says about the days you're living in. It's important that you understand how to respond to the days we're living in. It's important that we have our faith in the right place. Are you with me? In these days that we're living in, God was very clear and very uh, abundant in what he has spoken and prophesied about the days we are in because he knew we needed that information. We, we, we know things are moving towards the return of the Lord. Look at Matthew 24 and verse number 3. We, we could frame it in, in, in this way. Matthew 24, let's turn there, and verse number 3. The disciples had asked him, Lord, tell us about uh, your return and, and what's this going to be like. Matthew 24, verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And when will the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they said, we need to understand. So let's look at this. He says, uh, well, you need to watch out that no one deceives you. There'll be scoffers and liars. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. And they'll deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. Are you, are you reading this? They must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now watch verse 8. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. So all these things that he said would happen are happening right now. But he's, and, and, they, and some would say, well, they've been happening. That's correct. But he says they'll be like birth pains. Now, I have observed two births. I have never given birth. Hallelujah. From my position, it looked quite difficult. You understand what I'm saying? I, I did a lot of praying. That's what I did at that time. When our first child with Meredith, you know, is still kind of newer for the dad to be in the delivery room. And, and the nurse in charge was old school and didn't like it. And I'll never forget that she told the group of us, we used to have to go through these classes before you could be there present for the labor delivery. And, and she, I called her Helga, sorry, I just, that was my name for her. She looked like she could whip any one of us. And so I remember the last class, she turned around with a scowl on her face, said, you know, this whole thing is about the mother and the baby. And if any of you faint, just don't fall on the equipment and we'll get to you when we can. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But in my moment of observation and watching that labor and delivery, it's exactly what Jesus said. He said, these things are happening and they'll happen, but it's not the end. They're like labor pains. The closer you get to the birth, the more intense and the more... Uh, frequent the labor pains become. And so he says one of the things we look for in these times that these signs he gave us will begin to happen more rapidly. They'll be closer together. They will be more intense. They will be more observable. It, 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 it is, it, it's coming. We, we see it. The birth pains are quickening around us. We, we, we don't know the day or the hour, but we are becoming aware of the season that we're living in. When, when Israel regathered and became a nation in 1948, a clock started ticking then that had been silent until that moment. 
much of this prophecy can only be fulfilled with the regathered nation of Israel. We are literally walking and living in a season that was not possible until that happened. We're moving to the return of Christ. The lie that he is not coming is is a hopeless tactic of Satan to try to discourage you in a moment when we should be on full alert. Okay? We're in unprecedented time. The labor pains are quickening and intensifying. None of us have ever been through COVID. None of us ever saw that kind of thing. I've told you before, I always in studying the end time events was amazed at how rapidly things would progress in the period of a seven-year time frame that an individual would rise to world control. How would he do that that fast? How in the first three and a half years of that tribulation, I'll say a bit about that in a moment, would the Antichrist rise and have worldwide dominion? How could we do that? I believed it, but I didn't understand how things could happen that rapidly. And then I had uh, our journey with COVID. And we saw in a matter of eight weeks, this planet was brought to its knees. We closed the churches. We closed the schools. We closed the sporting events. You couldn't fly on an airplane. People were horrified. I talked to an Uber driver in Boston uh, at the end of last year. He said Boston was a ghost town. The big cities were horrified with not knowing how fast it would spread and people wouldn't come out of their houses. We saw the world get on their face in eight weeks. I used to wonder how does it happen. We just had a front row view of how the world can come under the control of a particular individual. If someone would have come up with a cure of COVID in that first month, we would have lined up, not we, they would have lined up like sheep and said, whatever you want, I'll do whatever you want. I'm afraid. I'm going to take it. We just saw it happen. We're living in apocalyptic times. We're connected in a way uh, globally that we've never been connected before. There is unrest like there's never been unrest. We've walked through the COVID. We've had Ebola. What in the world are killer hornets? We have killer hornets. We have stuff nobody ever heard of. We have people afraid of things that they did not know exist. We have an alignment of nations that have not been set in disorder until these end times were in. The, the rejoining in the European common market of the old Roman Empire. The, the joining today, we see the posturing of Russia and China. You read about them in the end time events. Those nations, I'm telling you, the things that Jesus said would happen are beginning to happen in an increased manner. They're, they're, they're coming. They're moving together. It, it, is, it is an unprecedented time that we are living in. And I want to make sure that you understand also this. There are more people living on earth today than there have from Adam combined until one generation ago. We have gone beyond 7 billion people. The prize has never been bigger. You see, the prize that God wants more people to come to heaven than ever before. The heart of God is fixed on the nations of this earth to bring men and women to Christ. Heaven is stirred. The windows of heaven are open. God is sending his spirit to reach this hurting world. At the same time, the target for Satan is this world. There are more men and women he can condemn now than he ever had the opportunity. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Let's look at Luke chapter 21 and verse number 26. This is going to be the response in these days and times that we are living in when people do not know 
Jesus Christ. Luke 21 and verse 26. This is why he is lying. This is why Satan does what he does. Luke 21, 26. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Men will faint from terror. As the end times come in, as we see these things coming together, there will be a release of fear. I don't believe there's ever been more fear that has been released on us than we have right now. The spirit of fear that has been released by Satan. For people that don't know Christ, it will be a fearful time. But for those of us that know the Lord, why so much prophecy? So we have a context to look at this moment. Look at verse 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up. And lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. Did you hear what God said? There will be people fainting for fear and terror. But the child of God, as he sees the birth pains intensify and the world begin to struggle around them, you and I are not going to run and hide and dig a hole and hoard food. We're going to rise up, stand up, speak up, preach up, give up, build up, share up, love up. We're going to build the kingdom of God. I want to say to you, church, it's time for you and I to stop being intimidated by the culture that we are in and stand up. Our redemption's drawing nigh. Come on, let's thank God that he is in control right now. God has a calendar. He's in charge of this. He knows where we are. He has a plan for us right now. Go to Daniel chapter 9 with me. I'm just trying to fill in the blanks for us today. I want you to go to Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 21. Daniel 9, 21. Now listen to me as you're turning there. It's impossible. I can't give you three years of end time study in one message. You know that, don't you? It, it's impossible to understand the, 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 prophetic, the prophetic book of Revelation without understanding God's promises to the nation of Israel. You have to put the promise of Israel, particularly Daniel, some of the other minor prophets, together with the book of Revelation to get the full understanding of what will happen in these days. God has not turned his back on Israel. God has not forgotten his promises to Israel. They're still God's people. How many hear what I'm saying? The church didn't take the place of Israel. We are in a, we are in a season where God has focused his attention on us. Watch this. This is Daniel. This prophetic word, I want you to see God has a calendar. Say that out loud. God has a calendar. God has a plan. Literally, almost 3,000 years ago, this prophetic word was given to Daniel. God knows what he's doing. God has a plan. So watch this. Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse number 21. This is Daniel. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man, the angel I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you for your highly esteem. We know from reading the book of Daniel, God gave him several dreams and insights to the future things that were to happen. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Now look at this. It's amazing. Seventy-sevens or 70 groups of seven. 
Seven years. Seventy periods of seven years are decreed for your people, that's the Jew, and for your holy city, that's Jerusalem. What will happen in those 490 years he's promised to Israel? Okay? He said that you're uh, to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So in that, in, on those 490 years, this is what he said is going to happen. He said, number one, we're, we're reading here what's going to happen. There will be a, we will finish transgression and put an end to sin. What he said, in other words, there's going to be an atoning sacrifice. Something's going to happen in this time that is going to create atonement. And he's referring to the cross and the death of Jesus. He says, we're going to put an end to sin. At the end of this time, the nation of Israel will recognize the rejection of Christ. And they're going to return to him. Not only that, uh, the, their, their unbelief will be dealt with, their transgression. Righteousness is going to be released. Prophecy, what does he say here? Will be fulfilled and is going to be completed. Now, let's, let's look at this. Verse 25. No one understand from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Remember? Israel had turned away from God. They'd been taken by Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. They were slaves in this foreign country. There would come a decree, he prophesied. This is hundreds and hundreds of years, centuries, dozens of centuries before it happened. He said a decree is going to come. Cyrus, the Persian leader, made a decree. You can go back. Okay? He says, so watch this. He says, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, until Christ comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 seven. In other words, 483 years. 69 of the 70s will be fulfilled. 483 years from when you return to rebuild the city and when Jesus is crucified. Stunning God's calendar. The accuracy of his props. Are you with me right now? You just think things just happen and people are in control. The devil's going to win this thing. God forgot what he promised. Here's his word. Hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened. So he says, uh, from this, no one understand from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there'll be seven, seven, 62 sevens. So that's 69 of the 70. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. Verse 26. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off. What happens? Crucified. We'll have nothing. The people, the ruler who will come, will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Rome did that in 70 AD. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. And desolations have been decreed. Watch this. And he says there's one that's going to come at the end of this time. He'll confirm a covenant. This isn't Christ. Christ has been crucified. Now, what are we talking about? Verse 27. He'll confirm a covenant with many for one seven. See, 69 of those have been fulfilled. There's one seven. There's one seven-year period left. In the middle of that seven-year period, this individual will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, at three and a half years, he'll put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until that end is decreed, is poured out on him. So what happens? He says that we are in this time, that, that, that Christ is, will come, he'll be crucified, and there will be what's called the church age. We're living in it right now. 
There's going to come a time at the end of this period, Israel turned their back on their side, crucified him, and now he's turned his face to the Gentiles. Jews can still be saved now. Many wonderful Messianic Jews in the world today. But where we have now is what's called the church age. And this will go forward until this point of the rapture. When he comes back for his church, we're caught up to meet him in the air. At that moment, the focus is back on that one seven-year period that he prophesied to Israel. It's during that time that's called the Great Tribulation that the Antichrist will rise. He'll make a covenant with Israel. He'll settle a peace agreement between Israel and the Arab nations around us. It's been unable to be done. Think of how volatile that is today. They'll look to him as a world leader that brought peace and security. Some in Israel will even think he's the Messiah. But in the middle of those seven years, in the middle of that week we just read, at about three and a half years, he will go into that newly rebuilt temple. He will do something that will desecrate that temple. Some Bible scholars, I don't have all the verses to read to you today, believe that he'll literally sacrifice a pig on the holy altar there. But he will come in at that three and a half years and make a statement, I'm not who you thought I was. You will no longer worship your God. You will worship me alone. You will take a mark to do any commerce. He will turn against Israel. It will be a time of unprecedented destruction on this earth like we have never known. But the blessing at the end of that, Jesus will physically come back to work. In the rapture, we rise to meet him in the sky. We escape the seven years of wrath and tribulation because we serve the Lord. At the end of that seven years, while seven years of tribulation is happening on earth, we're in heaven for a seven-year marriage supper of the Lamb. At the end of the tribulation, Christ physically comes back to earth. At the battle of Armageddon and destroys the army of the world, the Antichrist is captured and bound. He's done. We come back from heaven with him, the armies of heaven. There's that last thousand-year millennial reign. At the end of that, the heavenly Jerusalem comes down at where we spend eternity. What you need to understand is that we are marching, 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 marching to something the Bible said would happen. We are in the last days of the last days before he returns. We have the promise of the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church. I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Turn there with me, and I want you to look at verse number 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Some people have been confused. What's the difference in the rapture and the second coming? 1 Thessalonians 4. The rapture moves the church off the planet and leaves the seven years for those final things God prophesied to come to pass. Why are we not here? We've completed our time here. We've completed the the assignment, the goal that God has given us. In the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4, we meet him in the air. And the second coming, at the end of the tribulation, he comes physically to the earth. One's in the air, one's to the earth. One launches the tribulation, one ends the tribulation. Let me give you some encouragement today. Let's look at this. I, I, I want you to see this. First Thessalonians chapter 4, let's begin reading in verse number 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That's where they, 
once the resurrection of Jesus happened, they quit talking about death and said they're just sleeping. Come on. They're just resting. Death's been defeated. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. In other words, there's going to be this raising from the dead, this bodily resurrection for those that are already in heaven that God will bring with Jesus those who've fallen asleep in him. Look at verse 15. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For, watch this, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Are you ready? After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. A day is coming, my friends. A day is coming. I don't know if it's in my lifetime. I don't know if it'll be in your lifetime. I don't know if it'll be in my children's lifetime. But according to the Bible, it could happen in this very moment. According to the Word of God, it could happen right now. I'm going to tell you something. Every time I go in a cemetery, I look around. Now, I go a little more than some folks because I'm a pastor. And I do some funerals. And I do some gravesite services. But I rarely walk in a cemetery where I don't think. I just wonder. If today is the day, I just wonder, and I say, what's it going to be like? First Corinthians 15 says it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. So I don't think I'll see anything, but you know, if, if, if I happen to see the grave start busting open, I'm just going to stop putting my hands up because I know I'm next. <laughs> I'm next. If, if, I don't think I'm going to see it, but if something tips me off, whatever I'm doing is going to stop. And I'm just going to say, here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Now, if, 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 if I die uh, before the rapture, I'm going to go to heaven right then. The Bible says to be absent from the body is be present with the Lord. The moment a believer dies, your spirit and soul are in the presence of God. But a day is coming when even the body that's been in that grave is going to be raised incorruptible to join as we go to heaven. And those of us that are alive, come on, think of that moment in the twinkling of an eye. This body's gone. I've got a heavenly body. I'm in the presence of Jesus. I'm at a marriage supper of the Lamb. We're celebrating the goodness of God. Believers from every race and tongue and tribe and nation will celebrate the Lord on this earth. It will be havoc like you cannot imagine. At the end of that, we come back riding with the armies of heaven. Satan is destroyed and God establishes that's the day of the Lord. That's the time we're living in. Satan doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to understand God has a calendar. God's in control. God said this would happen. You know, God trusted you to live in this moment. God trusted you to be here. Look at Luke 21 and verse 36. I want you to see a couple of more things here. How many are learning something? Okay, let's look in, verse, in Luke 21 and verse 36. I want you to see this. I'm thankful for the rapture. Somebody says, well, pastor, I believe we're going to stay. Fine. You may have staying faith. I've got going faith. Some people think the church will go through the tribulation. I believe if you clearly understand his promises and the prophecies to Israel, you connect those to the prophecies to the church, 
we understand there's seven years remaining. It went 483 years from what we read in Daniel 9 until Jesus was crucified and in, in, in 70 AD, Rome defeated or destroyed Jerusalem. There's seven years that have to be fulfilled. When God makes a promise, he fulfills it. God tells us what's going to happen during those seven years. At the end of that seven years, I want to make this very clear. When Jesus comes back, when he comes back physically, he'll be seen with the armies of heaven. Israel will be surrounded by the nations of the world at that time. In fact, sadly to say, half the nation would have fallen in that conflict. Jesus comes and rescues the remnant. Zechariah says, they will look on the one whom they have crucified and pierced. And they will mourn and repent. You listen to me. On that day, the nation of Israel turns to him in a day. And the nation gives their heart to Christ. Now, leading up until that time, I, I, I'm going to tell you, some of the greatest Christians on this planet are Jewish by birth and nationality. They're Hebrew. They put their faith in Jesus. But there will come a day, according to Scripture, see, at the end of that seven years, when God has done what he said he would do, you can read Daniel 9 again, where the nation of Israel will turn to him in that moment. They say, that's the one. We missed him. We crucified him. They'll give their hearts to Christ. What a day that's going to be. We'll be there to witness these things happen. Luke 21, 36. Watch this. I think it's important. You see the language and you understand it. Luke 21, 36. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to what? Escape all that's about to happen and that you may be, may be able to stand before the Son of Man. He did not say pray that you'll endure. He said pray that you'll escape this. Amen. He said pray that God will pull you out of that. Luke 17 verse 35, we went back to there. said there'll be two men working in a field. One will be taken. One will stay. Two ladies are going to be grinding wheat. One's going to be taken. One's going to stay. This rapture is a calling away. This coming for the church is a calling the church to meet him in the air. That word taken is the same word in John chapter 14 where he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You know me, you know my father. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And someday I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. It's the same word taken. There is a day coming. When God's going to take his church off this planet, when God's going to sound the trumpet and lift his church and fulfill those seven years that, that's prophesied, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, he says, he says that it will be uh, like uh, Luke, Luke 17. Go back to verse 26. Or, 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 uh, yeah, go to Luke 17, verse 26. You're, you're in that neighborhood. Let's turn back there for a minute. I want you to see what he says here. It's important. He said, just as it was in the days of Noah, are you with me? Luke 17, 26, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. So what was it like in Noah's time? Let's look at this. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying, selling, planting, and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroy them all. So he says the day when Christ comes for the church, the rapture on earth, when that happens, it's going to be just like the days of Noah, just like the days of Lot. People are going to be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Okay? Life's going to be going on. You know, have you ever thought about it? You ever thought about the scoffers in Noah's day? It had never rained yet. Did you know that? Did you know that until that time it had never rained? Did you know that when he built that ark that's longer than a football field and three stories tall, you know it took him over 100 years to build it? 
There'd never been rain. There'd never been a flood. He didn't have a, any way to get the boat to the nearest body of water. And you know what people did to Noah that day? They scoffed at him. They told lies about him. You know what? They said, that old fool's an idiot. If you believe that Jesus is coming back in this day, there are going to be people that lie to you. There are going to be people that lie about you. There are going to be scoffers. They may be in your own family. They may go to work with you and say, you folks are crazy. You believe Jesus is coming back? You really believe that stuff's going to happen? I'm going to tell you, for 100 years, Noah looked like an idiot. But on the day the flood came, he turned into a genius overnight. Here's what I want to say to you. There will always be scoffers. They have been there from the beginning. They are in our world today. But I'm telling you, watch out. Pray that you'll be able to escape. Serve God. Keep your heart in the Lord. Lift up your head. Our redemption is coming. It's nothing to be afraid of. Same thing in the day of Lot. Lot was in an ungodly, wicked environment, but God pulled him out. The picture of the rapture is that God has a seven-year appointment on this earth, but he wants to pull you out before then. You have an opportunity to escape. You have an opportunity to miss that. You see, although people are scoffing and lying and maybe ridiculing you about what you believe, they're insulting the very mercy of God that proves he hasn't come yet, see? Do you know the Bible says during that seven years that Revelation 6 says that, that in one day, one-fourth of the world's population will die in a day? In Revelation chapter 9, three plagues come during the last three and a half years, and one-third of the remaining population of the earth dies in a matter of weeks. Can you imagine that number of people? Over seven, almost eight billion people, and two billion people die in a day. You go a few more months and another third of those left are dead. They say all sea life will die in one of these judgments that come. And then a meteor, a star called Wormwood will strike this planet and decimate it. Every movie you've ever seen about catastrophe and end time and those kind of things will happen on steroids. But the good news is is that you and I will have escaped that moment. We'll be in the presence of Almighty God. But let me tell you what that should do to the church. It ought to motivate us, put a fire inside of us. I don't want anyone to go through the tribulation. I don't want my family to be left behind. It's not just me and us four no more. I want this world to come to Jesus. I want North Alabama to come to Jesus. I want your friends saved. I want your enemies saved. I want your in-laws and your outlaws saved. I want Republicans saved and Democrats saved. I want red and yellow, black and white saved. I want every variety. I want the mean and the ugly and the drug dealer and the whoremonger and the prostitute and the greedy and the selfish and the prejudiced and the hateful and the mean and the wicked and the pedophile and the rapist and the murderer. I want to see them saved. I want them to know the love of Jesus Christ. How can I know I'm going to escape that and not care about those who are going to go through it? That's the church. You see, we're going to escape. We're not escapists. We care about what's happening on this planet. And we're going to love and we're going to care. And we're going to do everything we can. So how do I remain ready? He said, don't let your love become lukewarm. He wrote to one of the churches in Revelation. He says, don't let your love become lukewarm. How do you keep your love on fire? You stay on fire. You stay in the Word. You stay in prayer. You stay close to the presence of God. You have a heart that's tender. You love your enemies. You forgive those who've been mean to you. 
you're thankful for the grace of God. I want you to stand on your feet. I want the worship team to come join me. How do I stay hot on fire? I remember my purpose on this earth. I stay connected to my destiny. I do what God put me on this earth to do. I remain grateful. How many heard what I just said? I remain grateful. I remain grateful. I remember, listen to me, there's going to be a day come. Listen to me, church. When everything you don't understand now is going to make sense to you. The day is going to come when every hardship you've walked through, you're going to stand before God and say it was worth it all. Every prayer you don't understand why it's not being answered on time, you're going to see why. You're going to say it's been worth serving God. I want to encourage you today. He's worth trusting. God's worth keeping your faith in. The devil is a liar. If the devil said he's not coming back, he's coming back. If the devil's saying it more than he used to say it, he's coming back sooner than we ever thought it's going to be. The rapture is an incredible promise. The coming of the Lord says, lift up your heads. Encourage one another. Be strengthened by this. Stay steady. There are going to be some things we walk through on this earth that aren't fair, that we don't like, that shouldn't happen because we live in an ungodly system. Everybody with me? We live in a, in a fallen world. But I want to encourage you today. Stay faithful in your faith. Hold on to the promises of God. Recognize that God be for you. Who can be against you? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.